0: Paul Boyer and the congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from the Scriptures will better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's listen to Pastor Paul as we study the Word together.
1: everybody. Thank you for coming out this morning on this beautiful, finally, a beautiful Sunday. So whoever was praying for the rain, you stop. Thank you very much. Uh, no, it's it's great to see everybody this morning. It's, it's a beautiful day out there. It's a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm fired up about the sermon that I'm fixing to bring and I hope you and you will react to it the same way I have. I hope that this will bless you. This is a little bit different. That's You know, we're not usually as as topical around here as a lot of churches are. We tend to we tend to be more expository. But for, for some reason this week, I was led to go very topical. I'm led to talk about something that we don't really talk about very often in the churches anymore. And it's something that we I don't know as Christians. I think we take for granted. I'm talking about miracles. And I don't know why this came to mind, and I don't know why the Holy Spirit laid this on my heart, other than I, the other day I was listening to, over, overheard a conversation. Uh, I wasn't really eavesdropping, but I work in a cube farm. So you can't help but hear all the conversations that go on around you. And they were talking about current events. They were talking about uh, North Korea and, and all that, you know, and, and terrorist bombings and all that was going on, the gas attack that, was going, that happened in, in Syria, Syria. It's just, they were talking about the world and the way the world is going. And somebody said, you know what we need? We need a miracle. And I said, amen. We need, an, we need a miracle. We need a miracle. But then that started me thinking about miracles. What what these people, and, and this person that, that made that comment, I don't know their spiritual condition, but I kind of get the idea that they at least have some Christian upbringing. But, um... But I don't really know. And so I started thinking about what the world sees. And when we talk about miracles, we understand what we're talking about. But what does the world see? And what do they mean by we need a miracle? So I I want to delve into that a little bit today and talk about what miracles are and what they mean. And why they're important. And what they mean to the world. And what they mean to us. So I'm going to be preaching out of Daniel chapter 4. 3. Three little little verses in Daniel chapter 4. To kind of set the stage a little bit, King Nebuchadnezzar you know, had, had been seeing miraculous signs and he'd been seeing things, the handwriting on the wall and all the rest of it. And he called Daniel to come in and interpret these things for him. Because his pagan priests couldn't explain all that was going on. That the Most High God was reaching into his life and was affecting his heart and they couldn't explain it away. Their magic didn't work. So then it kind of as an afterthought, they said, you know, we've got this, this Hebrew guy, this Daniel. He, can interp- he may be able to interpret these things for you. So the king called Daniel to him and Daniel replied, you know, said in chapter 4 of, of Daniel chapter 4, verse 1, he says, King Nebuchadnezzar, To those of every people, nation, and language who live on all the earth, may your prosperity increase. I am pleased to tell you about the miracles and wonders the Most High God has done for me. How great are His miracles and how mighty are His wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom and His dominion is from generation to generation. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You so much for all that You've done for us. We thank You especially for this time right now.
0: For we can gather
1: together in this house of the Lord to sing your praises and to worship you and to worship through our giving and to worship through our time and our talents. We thank you for the opportunity you give us to serve and to be part of the family of God. We thank you, Lord, for for bringing these hearts and souls together. All these people that have made a special effort to come here this morning to hear your words spoken to hear your songs sung. Lord, I ask that you be with us, that you give us a special grace, that you give us special understanding. Lord, I pray that you give me the words to speak, that what I say today will settle not only in the ear, will, will answer not only in the ears and the minds of all that hear, but it will settle in their hearts. Lord, I ask that what we talk about today be your words and not mine. Give me special grace and peace. Lord, be with us for the next few Minutes, and as we leave from here, Lord, walk with us, guide us, and take us out into this world who so desperately needs to see you and your miracles. So, Lord, I pray for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. So I heard these people talking about a miracle, and it made me wonder what they thought a miracle was. And I imagine if I were to do a survey, I, I'm, I'm going to put up a survey. No, I'm not. <clears throat> but if I were to do a survey, I think probably even here. We'd get some different answers to that question about what really a miracle is. And I think it's interesting though that this particular lesson ties in so closely with Pastor John's lesson of last week. Anybody remember last week? What he was talking about? Nobody? Okay, anyway. Makes you wonder. Fishing. There we go. Fishing for what? Fishing for men. Okay. Fishing for men. That's evangelism, right? It's a great commission. We're to be fishers of men. We're to go to all the all the kingdoms and, and teach them what Christ has taught us. We're to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Evangelism. We're fishing for men and women. That's, that's just... We're fishing for men. Well, how do we do that? First of all, should we do that? Why are we called to do that? Well, we should do that because it's not only a duty of ours; it's not only a contract, or it's not only a command, but it's also an opportunity, and it's also a pleasure, in a way. So, it's our duty to witness to people and share the gospel. We're to teach about God and the Holy Spirit and how that God and the Holy Spirit have worked in our lives, or what has happened to us since we accepted Jesus Christ we're to share all that stuff now think about that for just a minute god called us the untrained the unsophisticated to be his ambassadors and to spread the gospel throughout the entire world if you think about think back to the to to acts the book of acts who were the people that were spreading the gospel in the book of acts were they the scholars and the religious leaders no they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were just regular folks, no particular training for what they were called to do, other than the lessons that Christ told them, to teach, to taught to them as He walked along the road with them. In the few short years that Christ was on the, was was in His ministry, He passed what it took to evangelize. Onto onto the apostles and the other disciples. And he says, now go throughout the whole world and preach the gospel. And I want you to convert the entire world. That's your mission, is to go out and spread the gospel to everyone. And I will equip you with everything you need to do that. So he sent them to Bible college. And he paid it their tuition. And after they got their advanced degrees, he sent them out into the world. No, he didn't. He had a small group. I was going to say that they met in his home, but he didn't have a home. He had a small group that met alongside the road. And he passed the, on to them something that gave them the power to change history. And what was that thing? It was the Holy Spirit. It was the indwelling of God himself. He, Christ yeah. said, I will equip you for this work. And he did. He provided the paraclete, not parakeet, it's not a bird. Heracle, the helper, to come alongside this and to build them up and give them everything they needed. That's a miracle. That we took these rough, uneducated you know, and, and people could tell and people in, in Jerusalem could tell that they weren't from Jerusalem because their accent gave them away. These were the bubbas from the hills. They were out spreading the gospel and they changed the world, but not through their own power, but through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit. That in itself is a miracle. So when you're called for evangelism, you're going to do, do you do that under your own power or do you not do it under the power of the Holy Spirit? Who convicts the, the heart of the person you're talking to you? No, it's a miracle. We'll talk about that. So evangelism, who here has tried it? Tried evangelism. Have you shared? Do you share the gospel? How easy is it? It's not easy. It's hard. It's very hard. For a lot of reasons. One reason is we're afraid we personally would be rejected. Well, that's just us getting in the way of the message of the Holy Spirit. But evangelism is is hard. It's hard work. And We're going out into a world that's so lost that the very thing that will save it is ridiculed and discounted and considered foolish. Because in this in this world, science reigns, enlightenment rules, logic and philosophy are all we need to explain the world. There's no need for another worldview, which is what Christianity is. Christianity is not a religion. It's a worldview. It's a way of seeing things. There's no need for another worldview because the world sees quite fine. Thank you. The problem is with that kind of thinking of the world can't see beyond itself. Nature can only understand nature. The problem is that nature can't explain events that occur outside of nature. And what is the definition of a miracle? A miracle, by definition, is an event that cannot be explained by the laws of nature. Miracles are supernatural. They're greater than nature. And they come in all shapes and sizes. But in this world, we've got no room for miracles, do we? The world has three schools of thought about miracles. The first is that miracles, being outside of nature... And since nature is all there is, miracles cannot exist. Therefore, there must be some logical explanation. I would imagine that if you were to go home this afternoon and turn on the learning channel or the history channel, every Sunday afternoon, they seem to have religious programming. And this programming might be a show like discovering the real Jesus. Right. Have you ever seen a show like that? Finding the real Jesus. Well, when they say real, that means the natural Jesus, the real Jesus, not the one with all that supernatural stuff, not all the miracles and all of that, because that can't really be true because that's outside of nature. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tear all that away. I'm going to remove all of the miracles from Scripture and we're going to find the real Jesus. We're going to find the Jesus that would have been known by his contemporaries. And and we're going to put aside all that miracle stuff. We're going to put aside the virgin birth. We're going to explain that away. We're going to say, well, that was just a misunderstanding. Because virgin doesn't really mean what we think it means. It really meant unmarried. And then they're going to explain away that he was born in Bethlehem. Because... There was no reason for him to be born in Bethlehem because there's no prophecy to fulfill. There's no miracle there. So we're going to explain that away because, you know, when you you read the the gospel accounts, they don't all line up. And the dates don't always exactly match. And why would they have a census in in the Roman world anyway? Because they already knew where everybody was. And it's just ridiculous to have people travel to their hometown to get counted because that would have been loss of productivity. And the Romans would never go for that. So therefore, he couldn't have been born in, in, in Bethlehem. And it just goes on and on. And then we get to the point of the crucifixion. And Jesus didn't really die on the cross. He swooned. He was just unconscious. And then he was revived. And it just goes on. They do everything they can to find a natural explanation for supernatural events. Because miracles can't happen. Because I can't explain them through nature. They'll say, yeah, the Red Sea might have parted. Well, first of all, it wasn't really the Red Sea. It was the Sea of Reeds, which is this little pond. But even if it was the Red Sea, the Red Sea could have parted. If the wind was blowing at exactly the right speed, from exactly the right direction, at exactly the right time, when the tides were just right, it could have blown the water back and caused a, a natural wall of water that they could have walked across. You know, so there's a natural explanation for that miracle. They don't go on to explain how the, how the timing was so perfect. They don't go on to explain that the, the wind blew exactly the right speed, from exactly the right direction, at exactly the right time, right when the people of, of of God were about to be overtaken by the Pharaoh's army. They don't explain that part. So maybe that's true. Maybe they explained how the waters parted so that the people could cross. I think all they did was figure out how God did it. I don't think that negates the miracle. But in their mind, miracles can't happen. Now, this is the world, okay? This is academia that's trying to explain away miracles. The problem is, we have churches that are doing the same thing. We have churches right now that are preaching this morning that pastors are standing in pulpits and they're preaching heresy. They're preaching that none of the miracles in the Bible really happened. They're just metaphor. Lazarus wasn't really raised from the dead. It was just a story to make a point. Miracles can't exist because nature can't explain them. And there's another school of thought. Miracles did happen in the old days, but not anymore. So the miracles in the Bible are true. But that was for that age. Miracles don't still happen. they're not. God's not working in the world now. But then, okay, so I'll, I'll, buy, I'll buy it. I'll buy the miracles in the Bible. I believe they're true. But that was then. Miracles don't still happen. And there's another The third school of thought is that miracles exist. But not for me. There may be miracles in the world, but not for me. No, I, I've never seen a miracle. I've never experienced one. And all my time on earth, it's just been the same thing every day going through my life. God's not part of that. He's not working in my life. So there might be miracles for someone else, but there'll never be miracles for me. And that school of thought, back to evangelism, have you ever tried to evangelize somebody? Have you ever tried to talk to them about the Gospel? And I've heard this more than once. You know, there were all those miracles in the Bible. But I don't believe. That, that may have happened. But, I, but I'm explaining away the things of God. But you know what? If I were to witness a miracle, if a miracle were to happen for me, then I would believe. Have you ever heard that? I've heard that. If God can do all these signs and wonders, why isn't He doing it every day so that right out in the parking lot, send down a column of fire? Why doesn't He, why doesn't he, he find the most evil in the world? And do a little Sodom and Gomorrah on them. Just take them out. That would prove something. So if I could see a miracle, I'd believe. Well, do you know what? That same question came up for Jesus, and I'll talk about that in a minute. If I could see a miracle, I would believe. So let's go with that. I have a good friend, a good friend of mine. And she recently they had a situation in her family. See, her daughter her daughter was pregnant. Her daughter lived in Virginia. And in the dead of winter, a blizzard hit their part of the country. That area of Virginia around D C and Norfolk and all that. They had a really horrible blizzard. And in the midst of the blizzard, the young lady went into labor. And she was about three months early. It wasn't time for this child to be born, but she's in hard labor, and the the blizzard was so intense that all the roads were closed, the government was closed, all the airports were closed. Nobody was moving. But she's in labor, and she's three months early. So the dad went out, and dug out the car, cleaned up the driveway the best he could, loaded loaded. The, the daughter loaded the woman into the car and headed out for the hospital, driving through the blizzard, trying to stay on the road. It took a lot longer to get to the hospital than it normally would have. When they finally got there, five minutes later, the baby was born, and she weighed less than two pounds. It just so happens that there was a doctor who had been on call the day before. He was stranded at the hospital. He couldn't get home. And his, his, a doctor that was supposed to, to replace him on call couldn't get in. So this doctor was there. He was at the hospital. And it just so happens that this doctor is a, is a specialist in premature birth and premature babies. He knew exactly what to do for this tiny baby that laid less than two pounds. He immediately started working on her, getting her stabilized, getting her breathing stabilized, getting her on oxygen and all the things that it would take to to deal with this severely premature baby. Now, mom and the baby are fine. Baby's out of the hospital and doing well. A normal newborn. But this all could have been quite different. This could have ended up in tragedy. You see, if they had called an ambulance and waited for an ambulance to get to them, or if they had taken longer than it did to get to the hospital, or if the right doctor had not been there, this could have been a tragedy. It could have come out much, much different. But instead, we get a miracle. All these things lined up. God set in motion all these things so that when that baby was born, the right person was there. They were in the right place. All the equipment was prepared. And the baby's now fine because God has a plan for that baby. Now, well, I could tell you a dozen more stories like that. Miraculous medical stories where cancer suddenly disappeared. and The doctors are dumbfounded. They have no idea why. I could tell you about near death experiences where people were, where they felt themselves or spirits actually leave their bodies and they actually came face to face with what they would describe as God only to come back to us. All of these things could be considered miracles. My own testimony is based on a miracle. All the things that had to line up and all the things that had to go just the way they did to get me where I needed to be and get Maren where she needed to be so that Lacey could be born. And she was premature. And she was in intensive care. And all of these things lined up. Someday I'll share my testimony with you. It's, it's, it's interesting. It's an Alaskan odyssey. How I got to be at the birth of my daughter. And how everything came out fine. And how people completely outside of, of our family and our circle of friends rallied around us and provided for us and cared for us. How an organization of the federal government, the Coast Guard, stepped in and provided support where they didn't need to. They did things that, the, that duty and protocol did not require But they did it anyway because it was the right thing to do. And this story goes on about the miraculous things that took place. And I tell you, we're talking about evangelism. I've been evangelized my entire life. I grew up in a uh, nominal Christian family. You know, submarine Baptists surfaced on Christmas and Easter. Uh, I grew up in a nominal church family. Until I met Priscilla over there, who wouldn't let me be in a nominal church family anymore. I was going to be in a real church family. I was 27 years old and been married for eight years, seven years, eight years by that point. When all this happened, I'd heard the gospel every day of my life, and I had people that that evangelized me, that talked to me, but I was the world. I could explain that all the way. In my mind, I knew the answers to all these questions until this happened. I couldn't answer these questions anymore. Supernatural stepped into my life, and it replaced my view of what nature was. and It replaced my view of what God was, and it led me to the only conclusion that I could reach out of all of that was to accept Jesus Christ. I was 27 years old i'm on a ship in alaska i'm bouncing around in the north sea and i went and found these christians that had been hounding me for months wouldn't leave me alone these christians kept telling me i needed to be saved and i kept telling them to buzz off they befriended me anyway even though i wasn't worth being wasn't a good friend to them they befriended me anyway and they did not give up so after all this happened i came to them i said you know what I've got to do this. My heart is in the place that the only explanation I can come to is God was working in my life. And they all looked at me and said, well, duh. It's about time They had that smug, I told you so look. And I came to Christ right there. In the first class petty officer birthing Of a 180 foot seagoing Buoy tender in the middle of the North Pacific Things changed after that But that was a miracle So I can talk about this stuff I can talk about near death experiences I can talk about all that (coughs) If you were an unbeliever Would all that make you believe? Sometimes I wonder Because they're still going to have that hardened heart. They're still going to say, well, there's a natural explanation for all that. It's just coincidence that all these things fell into place for you. That doesn't make me believe. Didn't happen to me in the first place. Doesn't make me believe. They can explain things away like it's coincidence or chance or maybe luck. Maybe I know what it is. It's the benevolent universe. That's it. it. The universe wanted that to happen for you. Maybe it's karma. Maybe in my next life I'll do something good for somebody else. They'll find a way to explain it away. Anything but God. So I ask you a question. What about you? What about miracles in the old days? Do you believe the miracles in the Bible are true? Do you believe that miracles still happen? Have you seen one lately? I'm going to put you on the spot. Raise your hand if you you have been a witness to a miracle in the last month. Dan, okay, a couple. All right, yes, miracle. Okay, what about six months? What about a year? A few of us have seen and witnessed miracles in our lives or in, our, parent, in our, our our loved ones' lives or in our family or in our friends' lives. There's been a few of us that have seen some miracles. Okay, but I want to ask you this. Let's, let's broaden your view of miracles a little bit. <coughs> Look around you. What do you see? All around. What do you see? See the building? See the people in the building? You know, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door, see all the people. You see that, okay? One of my favorite evangelists is Louis, Louis Giglio. Do know who Louis Giglio is? If you, don't have, if you haven't seen his videos, you need, you need to YouTube them. The man's amazing. He's the pastor of a church in Virginia. But he, he comes on stage and his story is all about God and God's creation. So one of the things that he talks about is the earth. And how the earth itself, the fact that we have this place to live, is in itself a miracle. Because, because of the size of our star and the amount of radiation and the type of our star, the, the sun, the amount of radiation it gives off and all that, the earth is exactly the right distance away. Any closer to be too hot, any farther to be too cold to support life. So it's exactly in that habitable zone, the scientists call it. But not only that, it's exactly the right size. If it were any smaller, it wouldn't stay in orbit where it's at. It'd move closer to the sun. If it were any bigger, it would just farther away. So it's exactly the right size for us to live on. It has exactly the right. Um, degree of angle, right? So the Earth's axis is not perpendicular, you know, it's not perpendicular it's, it's at an angle. It has exactly the right tilt. If it was any less, then it wouldn't rotate properly. And there'd be no seasons. One side of the earth would be scorching hot and the other side would be freezing cold. So it's at the right angle, the sun deflects off of it. the rays of the sun deflect off of it, and that's what gives us seasons. Deflects off of it at just the right degree that enough gets through, but not too much, so that we don't overheat and we don't become like Venus, right? And it's got a moon. And if our moon didn't exist, the Earth would just wobble on its axis and it would flip all around and everything would be chaos and nothing could survive. But the fact that we have a moon and it's just the right size and it's just the right distance from the Earth, it stabilizes our wobble. And so life can exist. And it goes on and on. Now, we might say this is pure chance. That when the universe was formed, billions and billions of years ago, everything blew up and the universe was formed. And all this stuff coalesced and made the sun and the stars and the earth. It just happened, purely by coincidence, that all this stuff worked out. And we've got a place to live. That is still as far as we know, is unique in the universe. We can explain that away as pure happenstance. Or, we can call it what it is. The creation of God. It's a miracle that we've got a place to sit. It's a miracle that that plastic that chairs made out of was produced by sea creatures that died a long time ago, settled to the bottom of the ocean, became oil, and the oil became refined, and you've got plastic chairs to sit on. So when you look around you, and I ask you, have you, know, have you seen a miracle lately? Last night, if you'd have walked outside and looked at the sky, you would have seen a miracle. What's there? That whole God's universe is there. Now, with the light pollution, you can't see a lot of it anymore. But if we could see space the way God intended for us to see it, the way Adam and Eve saw it, it's this miraculous thing. So miracles are not rare. They're common. They're all around you. The fact that we have a place to meet is a miracle. God created all of this. And he created all of this for us. Mm-hmm. Everything you see, everything you touch, everything you see in the night sky, galaxies, billions of light years away, were all created for one thing. The universe was created To have a place for God's people. This is a love letter to us. Look closer. The very bodies that we inhabit are supernatural. We are not like anything else in nature. Yeah, okay, so the biologist will tell you we're animals just like the chimps or the orangutans or whatever. But we're not. Human beings are separate and unique. Now, we may have physical bodies that are very much like the animals, right? They have hearts and lungs and spleens and all of that just like we do. So, our physical bodies are very much like an animal. But there's one major difference our persons are made up of three parts. Isn't that interesting? Three parts in a unity. We are a body. And we are soul. And we are spirit. So look again. Look around. Do you see any miracles? I see a room full of them. I see human beings. Now I didn't notice I didn't say the people of God. That's another miracle. But human beings. Every one of them. All of the human beings that have ever been born and ever will be born. Carry the image of God. They're unique amongst all of creation. People are a miracle of God. He created people separately from everything else. And he created them to carry his divine image. We're all image bearers of God. To me, that's a miracle. So you look around. What do you see? Ordinary people? No. You see image bearers of God. Okay, let's take that a little bit farther. You look around. What do you see? You see ordinary people? You see image bearers of God? But there's more than that. Because these people are have another miracle that they demonstrate. Because there's nothing ordinary about the people of God. We're not like anything else. All humans are created in the image of God, but we're the sons and daughters of God. That's a miracle. No other religion in the world can claim kinship to God that we can. Is that enough? Is that alone enough to convince the unbeliever? It should be. But God being God, there's more. So all the miracles and and, and all that we've talked about, all the evidence that given so far... It's pretty convincing stuff. But the world still rejects it. Scripture says the heavens themselves declare the glory of God. So that no man is exempt. No man can claim they didn't know there was a God. But the world still rejects Him. God is real. He loves us and he moves in the world for his glory and to have relationship with us. God became man To save us. Now that is a miracle. That God stepped down from heaven, took on the form of a human to redeem us. No other God, no other religion has done that. Every other God is all-powerful and judgmental. And you must live your life the right way if you want to win God's favor. But God, our God, the God, the real God, stepped down from heaven and said, you know what? You're going to fail. So I'm going to provide the sacrifice for you. I'm going to sacrifice myself so that you can be in relationship with me. That's a miracle. But there's one thing that's even more miraculous than all of that. Do you still think you haven't seen any miracles? Look around you again. You're looking at a room full of miracles. Because you're here on this beautiful Sunday morning instead of at the lake or the golf course. You're here. You stand up and you sing praises to God. You make sure that your kids are in church. And here's a real miracle. You might even be tithing. That was a joke. Why? Why are you doing all this? Why are you here? That's a nice place to hang out and we get snacks. Everybody's nice to me here. And I get snacks. And it's a chance to put on my best clothes and look pretty. I, I, I feel especially dashing this morning. <laughs> Megan says, aren't you overdressing? I said, yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's my chance. <laughs> okay. That alone is a miracle. That, there are, that anybody's even here. It's even more of a miracle if they knew that I was preaching. And they're still here. I'm just kidding. Miracles in, uh, of nature and creation can be explained away in the in the world in the minds of the world at least. Medical miracles could be luck or chance or whatever. Miracles in the Bible, if they did occur at all, that was a long time ago. But I really think that most of them are fables or allegories. They're not real events. They're just stories to prove a point. That's what the world says. They're not real events. But there's one thing that the world can't explain away. The one thing that the world cannot explain away is you. They've got no argument for you. The biggest miracle of all is a radically transformed life. You can't explain that away. Nobody can argue with your story. Nobody can argue with, I told you a little bit about my own testimony, nobody can argue with the fact that I was different after that event than I was before. That the, the Paul Boyer that they knew had died and was replaced with a new one, with a new attitude and a new heart. That the prideful, know-it-all, I've got all the answers... Paul Boyer, was replaced with a humble, please teach me, I don't know what to do, person. With a person that was willing to listen to the things of God and to learn from the people of God and to study the Word of God. You want to talk about a miracle? You've probably got a miracle either in, in these days in your pocket. This the Word of God is a miracle. So I'm ready to learn from this. I'm ready to build from this. The things that were important to me before are no longer important to me. I've got new values. I've got a new way of living. Nobody can argue with that. Nobody can, nobody can say that, uh, that I'm just deluded. Because they saw the change. And people that were not in the group, on board that ship, we had a very very strong Christian ministry. But people that were outside that ministry commented on it. They said, you're different. What has changed about you? And I said, let me tell you what has changed about me. One guy says, Paul, you're scaring me. And I said, good, you should be scared. Let me explain why. So here I am, Christian for all of all 20 minutes, evangelizing people. And before I left that ship, I was the lay, the lay leader. I was, you know, I was working with the base chaplain. I was doing the Bible studies. And here I am, a Christian for, oh, I don't know, months, less than a year. And now I'm the spiritual leader of this, of this ministry. Where I was an antagonist, or at least an agnostic, of that ministry before. There's no argument for that. I can look at some of you, and I know your stories, some of you. And I can see that you're different now than you were then. That is the miracle that nobody can explain away. There is no answer for that. So if you think you haven't seen miracles, you're not looking hard enough. Because you're sitting in a room full of them. And you're taking these miracles, these changes... These things that can only be explained by God. These supernatural events. And you're taking them out into the world. And people will see that you're different. And they'll understand the miracle that's taken place in your heart. There's a story. I'm not going to read it all. But in Luke chapter 16, it's the story of the rich man and Lazarus. If the man if the wants to come up, go ahead and get placed. place. There's a story about the rich man and Lazarus in Luke 16. And, and they, the rich man died and was, was in hell. Lazarus, the beggar, died and was in heaven. The rich man looked across the gulf the eternal gulf between heaven and hell, and he saw the torment that he was in, and he saw the, the heaven that Lazarus the beggar was in. And he said, he asked God, he said, he said let me have just, just a touch of water on my lips. And God said, you made your choice. Lazarus made his choice. The rich man said, well, let me go home and tell my brothers. My five brothers, warn them so they won't end up in the same, same position I'm in. But God said, if they didn't listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded if someone rises from the dead. The world will not be persuaded by anything but your testimony. So I challenge you, because Christ and Christ in you, is the greatest miracle of all. When your friends claim they will believe if they only saw a miracle, show them your life, show them you. show them how you're different from the rest of the world. Let them see the miracle that God has worked in your heart and in your life, and they will believe. That's what evangelism is. That's why God and, and Christ, when Christ chose his disciples, he chose the lowest of the low. Because there was nothing the world would see in them. No education, no position, no status. There's nothing the world would see in them but their hearts and what God had done for them. And that's what God has done for us. That's what this church is. It's a collection of people with radically transformed lives. And the power to share that with the rest of the world. So that's my challenge for you. Is to take that life that you're living, take that radically transformed life, that heart that was broken and stitched back together. Take that out into a world that desperately needs to see a miracle and become that miracle for them. Nobody's asking you to be a Bible scholar. Nobody's asking you to be able to quote scripture. Although that's a good idea when people ask you questions that you can know you can go to the scripture and you can show them what the word of god says but that's not going to convince them the argument is not why should i believe well because the bible says so well then my question is why should i believe the bible we understand what miracles are because we understand what god is but the world doesn't so sharing scripture is important and vital Understanding scripture, burying this in your own heart is important. I'm not saying, I'm not discounting that. You should do that. But that will not change people's lives. What will change people's lives is your life being changed. Then, and only then, will be prepared to get into the word of God. There are a lot of theologians that have missed the point entirely. They understand scripture in and out. They can quote scripture Well, Satan can quote Scripture. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't quote Scripture. But what will convince people is the change that they see in you and the way you live your life. So what do you take away from this? Never stop looking for miracles. They're all around you. They're inside you. God has his hand on you and he brings you miraculous things like love and joy and peace and understanding it brings spiritual maturity. All these are supernatural. All of them are the handiwork of a creator God. Live like you're counting on miracles. Love like God loves you. Show the world the miraculous life that you live in Jesus Christ. Because yeah, miracles exist and they always have. So what is your miracle for today? Let's pray. Lord, we come before you humbled by all of your greatness and all of your glory. We get so hard in our hearts that we miss the miracles that are happening every day all around us. We forget that your provision in itself is a miracle. The fact that we're alive and we're living and breathing and we have food to eat and clothes to wear, that's all a miracle. That all comes, comes from you. <coughs> Lord, we ask that you move our hearts, open our hearts and remind us that these miracles are real and they're around us all the time. And all we have to do is open our eyes and we can see them. Miracles don't have to be a big event like parting of a sea. Miracles can be a small event with big consequences Like the acceptance of Christ by a child. By the renewing of our faith. By the baptism in the Holy Word. By the illumination of the Word to our hearts. These are all things that cannot be explained. Except for your action, your activity, supernaturally. In our hearts and in our lives. So Lord, open our hearts and our eyes to what you've done for us and what you continue to do for us give us the strength and the understanding to look for miracles where they are and to see miracles as your work and your creation. Say, so, yes, Lord, that person was right. We do need a miracle. If we're going to save the world, we need a miracle. And the miracle we need that radically transformed lives of the entire world. The miracle we need is the gospel to spread. And bring your love and your kindness and your gentleness into this world of violence and hate and destruction. And it all stems from a group of people that are willing to step out on faith, trusting a miracle. Trusting that their work to evangelize will result in a transformation of someone's life. Understanding that we don't bring forth that transformation, but you do. So, Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that doesn't know you, has not had that miracle, has not had that transformed life, that today is the day that they do business with you. Today is the day that they open their heart and open their mind and allow you in and let the miracle progress from there. Let it grow inside them until they become a miracle for someone else. That's how the gospel is spread. From one heart to another. So, Lord, we ask that you be with us all this week as we go about our business, as we go out into the world that so desperately needs to hear you. Let our miracles shine forth so that the world can see that you're still here, you're still working, and miracles still happen. Lord, I ask your blessings on this congregation and all that call on your name. In Jesus' name I pray.
0: You can email or call or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.